0: Well, hello everyone. Welcome to Freedom International live stream, where we get together to be able to bring you an expert or someone who's passionate in what they're doing, so that you could have your own critical thinking and wisdom and discerning in terms of choices, particularly for your health, mental, physical, and spiritual. So um, with me, we welcome our guest today, Dr. Jay Davidson, and Roy Collin is co-hosting with me, Hartmut Schumacher, and John Katsavos. So we got together from all different parts of the world at the same time with, different, um, with diverse backgrounds. So when we come together, we just want you to be able to do the same with your own families and loved ones always open up the conversation among your family and loved ones. Okay. And do share this podcast and it will be in different platforms from audio to video. And if you like it, like it, subscribe and do a little tip for us. If you, if you are able, because we just want to cover a lot of expenses and we're shy in saying that, but today I thought we're going to say it. Okay. Okay. So thank you. So Dr. J. Davidson is a two-time, number one, international best-selling author and was the host of the Chronic Lyme Disease Summit, the Parasite Summit, Viral and Retroviral Summit, and the Mitochondrial Summit. So, and he is the co-founder of the practitioner supplement line, CellCore Biosciences, and um, his books are How to Fix Lyme Disease, which many of you are perhaps suffering with it. And then his other book is Five Steps to Restoring Health Protocol. So you he will always discuss issues about our health, but then there's always a option to be able to choose what health solutions you would like to take. And Dr. Jay Davidson, nice meeting you here. I know in some other dimensions, Jay and I meet, but here we are in the Zoom meeting. So Jay, I from what I know a little bit about you, you've been, um, you and your lovely wife, who is also a doctor, has been with, has been through a lot of challenges and if I am not mistaken, because of that, those health challenges, that became kind of like your, um, your that part of why you're doing what you're doing now. So my first question is really, what brought you other than your immediate issues held together with your lovely wife, what brought you really to be to decide that you wanted to do what you're doing now?
1: Yeah, it's a great, great question, Grace. And it's great to be here with everybody. Um, it's it's really, uh, I feel like it's, it's all our own journeys, right? We each have our own journey that we're going through. And the more that we resist it, I think the more problems and more symptoms and more health crises we run into. And the more that we just open up to walking down that path, the smoother things go. Um, so obviously doing what I'm doing now, I, wouldn't have really saw that a decade ago, decade before that. I wouldn't have saw, you know. It's just as as time goes, you know, things get clearer. So I was very interested as a kid in sports. Love sports. Ate, breathed, lived it. Was actually a pretty pretty good athlete as well too. And then had some knee injuries and had knee surgery, and that's when everything kind of changed. Of like, you know, <laughs> didn't feel like my leg was connected to my body anymore. I didn't feel like I could, you know move well. And then I went to a physical therapist and I was like, wow, I really, I really like this health side of things. You know, I want to be a physical therapist. And the physical therapist said, no, you don't want to be a PT, be like a PA or do something else. And it's like, okay. So, but, but that, that was the spark that basically got me into the health side. And then just going through undergrad, uh, just went to the, the standard career place where you take the quiz. And it was like, well, massage therapist, chiropractor seems to come up well for your interest. And so I went to my mom's chiropractor at the time, and just loved his idea of health and the body can heal itself and, you know, just taking that approach. And so I decided to go to chiropractic school. And right before then met my wife or not obviously at the time, but we started dating and then we decided to go to school together. So we actually went to chiropractic school together and then opened a practice and really focused on structural correction work. Cause it's amazing how much we've been molded or shaped by the people around us, even if we don't realize it, like the very first trimester I remember in chiropractic school. Uh, professor was talking about muscle testing and how basically just garbage it is, and showed it on stage. So then I just logged that in my brain, like, oh, that's garbage. Okay, I'm gonna go more to the, I'm gonna go more to the structural correction side with engineering principles and you know that kind of stuff, biomechanics, and did that. And then it was um, in 2012 my daughter was born, so she's almost 11 now. In 2012 she was born and the bottom fell out, and my wife just couldn't recover. Her body stopped producing breast milk after a couple months. I mean, it was just it was bad. I mean, there was um, many, many nights where I was like, I just didn't know if she was going to be alive in the morning, you know, when I woke up, it just it was a dark, dark place, but it was in that where obviously I opened up to got to be missing something. And it started going down those different paths, especially in Lyme disease and functional medicine and realizing, wow, just thought, thought, knew what detox was, thought I knew what health was and just realized and been, been missing it. And, um, and then one of the things during this journey of my wife recovering, she would tell me, Jay, it's always that weird energy stuff that seems to work so well. Right. And it was probably after about the 10th time when I was like, huh, maybe I should, maybe I should figure, look into this energy things. And so I feel like the less, the less resistant I've been, the easier it's been, the more resistant I've been in certain, you know, decisions or paths in my life, the, the, more challenging it's been. And so I just keep walking the path, you know, basically a trained chiropractor focused on functional medicine and chronic Lyme disease and detoxification, and then started a supplement company, which I thought just was going to be a hobby with a friend of mine, Dr. Todd Watts, it's called CellCore. And, uh, you know, come to find out, basically create a whole movement in, in the uh, functional medicine or what we'd almost say like a subset foundational medicine aspect for practitioners. And, teaching that. And then I just have become more and more interested in the energy medicine as well too. Just there's, there's too many things that I've seen in my life that don't make sense or that don't always line up with what PubMed says, you know, or the, or the evidence-based model. So i am just, I'm, I'm open to, uh, you know, where life takes me, but ultimately the goal is to maximize health, to optimize our health. Cause I really feel like if we have optimal health, right. The last few years would have looked a lot different, the world would look different. Like we'd focus on different things that we could, you know, um, I don't want to say raise our consciousness, but connect to the higher consciousness and and change the planet.
0: And thank you. And that's really what impressed me with Jay. is First, he's I find him very humble and quiet. So in our little group in Telegram, and I didn't even know he was a doctor until I saw someone said, Dr. Jay. And so then when I searched him, and then I he, he, he's connected to the cell core and I read about it. So just like Jay was saying, I too realized that there's more to the biochemistry of the supplements that we recommend. So, and I didn't know a lot of um, companies that really do energy testing for their supplements. So there, Jay, Dr. Jay, you step up to that you know to that um, way that is so different from most of the supplement companies and how is that doing for you right now? one like I believe early this year when oh no last year when I was able to take a peek in one of your conferences, there was a lot of attendees so tell me tell us more about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like I, like I said, um, you know, I just have a passion for researching the truth and, and I have no problem challenging my own beliefs because I really feel like that's how we're going to learn is to look at, especially not just the thought of, you know, Oh, is this healthy for me to take such and such, but to go back to the foundation of, is that really how the biology of the human body functions or do we have to actually reimagine or rediscover what true Biology, physiology, is of the body, and so really going down to the core. And so, just in my own uh, research, along with you know my team and Dr. Todd Watts, the co-founder, you know we just have found what I would consider disruptive topics, but seem to be accurate in the health side of things, and have just uh, communicated that. So we started doing a conference in October of 2019. It's called Eco E C O for practitioners. It stands for Exponential Clinical Outcomes, and it was just we thought, oh, let's do it to you know, 90 people just travel around the country and just teach our our thought. But it was like, after we taught the first one and just asked people at the end, like who wants to come back to the next one, everybody raised their hands. Like, okay, well, that's not going to allow new people to come in. So we just kind of kept growing it. And then last year in 2022, so we would have hosted it in August. Uh, we had just over a thousand people. And these are just practitioners. So it was like six, a little over 600 in person and then 400 and some, you know, virtually And then now we have another one coming up in May of 2023, depending on when this airs. So in about a month and there's already over a thousand registered again, but there'll be, you know, there's always a lot of last minute, last minute uh, attendees, but we'll have probably 800 practitioners just in person. And, and that's, that's definitely one of the funnest events, you know, bringing different practitioners on to teach different disruptive topics, but just the community, the family, because we're really relational beings, I believe. And that's part of our own health and our own journey is being able to connect and have relationships with like-minded people. Um, And obviously today, you know, it's probably more division than ever before. So having people around you that you can, you know, know, like, trust, get supported from is, uh, tends to be a pretty big deal. And then obviously we have smaller workshops like you um, popped into, I wasn't at that one, but um, popped into and and saw, you know, more hands-on and things like that. So But yeah, we're just always out there teaching, you know, just want to know the truth. Because again, it comes back to if we can, if we can know the foundation and what the truth is, then there should be no reason that anyone doesn't have optimal health, you know?
0: So what is that truth in, um, in being healthy in really restoring our health? And that would be my last question before I pass it on to Roy.
1: Well, it's a, I mean, it's a big topic, right? Because it's like, what's causing people's health issues. If you look at what's been going on in the world the last few years, it's been all about a bug of, of, you know, the V word of virus or whatever. But when you actually look at what a virus is, they're not actually living. So it's like, when they talk about, let's go kill, kill this virus. It's like, well, how do you kill something that's not living? And then when you start, you know, diving deeper into that, you realize, wow, like if you, if you just went to uh, the environmental protection agency, you know, EPA.gov and looked at the registered chemicals right now, basically, you'll find, I think the latest is February of 2023, and there's over 86,000 chemicals that are registered to the EPA industry, which basically means that it's a man-made chemical, a created synthetic chemical. It says about 41,000 are active, but just because it's not active doesn't mean it does not persist in the environment, persistent organic pollutants. And you have, you know, 80 some, 86,000 plus chemicals registered to the EPA, None of them have really ever been studied for safety, let alone how they interact with one another. And we're going to, and and we're basically made of bugs in our body. And we're going to say it's the bugs that are going to take us down and not all these toxins, chemicals, and pollution that just doesn't get any media time. And so I really believe the big, this is just my belief right now, 2023, which I'm always like open to changing and growing, right? <laughs> if you read if you read a read my original book to my thoughts now, like they're different, you know, and I think that's a important thing is we just need to keep growing and learning and kind of rechallenging our own beliefs. But I really believe that if we uh, the, the fundamental health issues outside of the mental, emotional, and spiritual side of things, which is a big category by itself, but from a, a body chemistry standpoint, I think toxins are the big reason for health issues. Toxins, toxicants, or poisons, chemicals, create what's called pleomorphic organisms or change pleomorphic organisms. So you have this thing called H. pylori in your stomach, which everybody's like, oh, kill it because it causes ulcers. But then at the same time, we know that those that actually have H. pylori have less autoimmune conditions, less asthma, like better health, And that's when you realize that bugs can change form. So H. pylori is a, what's called a commensal bug in our body that's needed. But if we're drinking water, that's not purified, that's got poisons in it, chemicals in it. And then the bug senses that bacteria are there to biodegrade poisons. So it's going to change form. It's going to pleomorph into a, what we'd consider an infectious or pathogenic form. But all it's really doing is trying to break the poison down. And so, the stomach ulcers in the literature of H. pylori are on the pathogenic infectious form. It's not really infectious, but the pathogenic form. And the research where H. pylori is good for the body is on the commensal form, the happy. And it's the same bug. It just depends on the form. And it's the stressor and a mental emotional stress, right? If you just got a phone call that, you know, and God forbid this, but you got a phone call and a loved one was just in a car accident, you're complete physiology is going to instantly change just from this mental thought. And it could not even be your loved one, right? It's not, somebody else could have mistaken and called you. And so to say that, you know, other things don't impact other things is kind of silly, but I really believe the underlying fundamental piece right now that's being missed in the world is that toxins create pathogens, toxins create dysfunctional immune system. Toxins create dis-ease, disarray in the body. And to ultimately try to minimize that, detox, and then, you know, support, you know, you can support the microbiome. You can support the mitochondria because that's really the core of the cell.
0: Thank you so much. And the last thank you is thank you for sending me the parastart from core that I was able to bring down to the Philippines during the Integrative Medical Mission. Thank you.
1: You're welcome.
2: Thank you. Thanks, Grace. Hi, Jeff. So you mentioned uh, like all the toxins in the body. And I mean, I've always been kind of conscious of the pharmaceutical industry, what doctors are prescribing, but just over the last few years, I've kind of gone way deeper down the rabbit hole and one of the books that I've read that has kind of fascinated me, it was uh, The Poison Needle by Eleanor McBean. And they're going back hundreds of years, kind of saying when they started bringing in these poison darts, that basically all these infections started happening. And it's basically going back to what you've just said, because the body is just reacting all these toxins and yeah obviously there's deaths but there was one report where the doctor was saying he never saw cancers before the jab was introduced so it's like we see now it's gone through the roof and in, you know, we're kind of looking okay is it all the frequencies is it this I think it's probably a combination of everything but if if we look at kind of detoxifying because we're, we're kind of more looking for solutions because now everyone's in a panic mode of what do we do? We know we're being attacked from every direction to detoxify with your experience, you know, for those that maybe perhaps can't afford the products that can do it. What's your advice for for the everyday family?
1: So first off, I mean, there's been many, and it's always hard to trust history, right? Because the word history says his story. So it's usually whoever conquered and kind of rewrote the books, right? But if we can accept the some of history, there's been many uh, times in our past where people have thought it's the end of the world. (laughs) Basically, like, there's no way that we're going to survive this. And they have. And so um, I'm very much optimistic that, you know, we're the most powerful creator. And I don't want to take that in the wrong angle as far as a a spiritual side, because, but like, for instance, many people give so much power away to 5g and to emfs and Wi-Fi and bluetooth and i mean it it, those are man-made emfs but i really believe the human being is the most powerful emf creator like hands down and so why can't we shift our own energy to not be affected by those energies and i'm not saying put a wi-fi router next to your head when you sleep i'm not saying be right next to a cell phone tower but at the same time we also have to take power back and realize like we can we can affect so much more than we give ourselves credit. And so I'm very optimistic that, you know, good science will will find solutions for us, right? If we created these uh, poisons and toxins, which I mean, when you go back again into history and you look at even the 1918 flu pandemic, if you will, that was only started after the World War I um, jabs, right? Like, so it was like, yeah, it was probably just again, from the jabs and they tried the face mask back then is like, we're just kind of on repeat until enough people um, see what's going on. So as far as detoxification, the number one thing is have your mind right. Bottom line, under comprehend the power that you have as an individual. Number two is try to minimize exposure as much as possible. And even if you're eating organic, even if you're drinking super clean water, unfortunately, what happens in the other part of the state or country or other part of the world can affect you because we're under one globe, right? Or we're under one atmosphere. Like, But the obvious things is try to minimize as many toxins as possible. Most toxins are from our food, our water, and we breathe them in. Those are the three main, main things. So, if you look at the air you're breathing, if you look at the food you're eating and the water you're drinking, and you try to have as clean as food possible, I think that's the second thing. Then the third thing is just what can we do to help support the detoxification process? And this is where it gets a little more um, you know, complicated, Roy, because when I first tried detoxifying, and my wife did as well with DMSA and DMPS, these are some like old school chelators, even though they're not actually true chelators, even though Andy Cutler years ago um had kind of claimed they are. But cause the true chelator is a covalent bond chemistry-wise, and these are ionic bonds, so they're not covalently bonding chemicals but that's that gets a little technical there but anyways we we jumped into trying to chelate heavy metals years ago with um dmsa and dmps and both had reactions i actually had a really severe reaction and the doctor at the time uh said oh, i don't know what's going on you will know, maybe you have to talk to the you know this head person in new zealand and i'm like what I'm, i feel like i'm dying right now my my lips are swollen. It's hard to even breathe. My face is swollen. I'm all rashy. And it's like, they had no idea. And that was kind of that first spark of like, okay, I'm missing something. Right. And that's when really discovered the importance of drainage to make sure the pathways are open and moving. And so, you know, just pooping your colon movement is, is a form of drainage. Your liver and bile sweating is a form breathing. um, You know, all all these kidneys and urinating, these are all drainage pathways. And so if the drainage pathways are clogged and then you go to the next step where I'm going to pull chemicals out, they've got nowhere to go. So of course they're going to cause reactions. And so kind of that, that step three, right? First one's mindset. Second one's minimize chemicals. The third one though is detox. You have to make sure the body is prepared for that. So optimizing mitochondria, optimizing drainage. And then the other thing before you even detox is to understand that there's certain critters that'll actually absorb chemicals and toxins, such as parasites. And so if I were to try to detox, but I didn't, and I had parasites and I didn't clear them out, those toxins are going to be inside the parasite, which means I can't really fully detoxify the chemicals out of my body until I clear the parasites out. And so that's really the framework when I look at health, at least now, is open up drainage pathways, optimize the mitochondrial health, cleanse parasites, and then you can really get to the detoxification, and of course, if if finances are an issue, do what you can, right? My mindset too is like, well, if finances are tight, what can you do to bring more in? You know what I mean? Like to like, let's figure this out. So oftentimes I, I hear in the public uh, arena, well, I'm on a fixed income. It's like, well, whose choice is that? <laughs> well, that was my choice to retire. It's like, okay, well, then don't don't blame on your fixed income. Like like, either change where money goes you know, and reevaluate where things are, or go make some more, you know what I mean? Like life always is changing, you know, inflation, the dollar value, you know, depending on what country you're in, like it's all changing constantly. So we need to be able to adapt. So that's, that's like overarching, um, you know, health perspective.
2: Okay. And just on the parasite then, because I've done like a frequency device for killing the parasites. I went to one clinic and then I bought a spooky two device and I know that that actually can do it. But then there's other stuff where you take, you know, the tea or you take some sort of product that actually kills the parasite in your own experiences it the case of a mixture of both or what seems to be the best way of actually killing the parasites.
1: That's a great question, right? The citrus tea and different things. Um, so it, pharmaceuticals, and I'm, I'm not a big fan of, you know, the petroleum based pharmaceutical industry and it's, you know, starting from the Rockefeller Foundation and them destroying natural medicine and homeopathy and all that. So I'll say that up front. However, parasite medications have made a big impact in the world. Uh, I remember meeting Dr. Robert Rowan probably in 2015. Uh, He's a big ozone guy. And I asked, you know, does ozone take care of parasites? He's like, oh no, it's actually, and he hates pharmaceuticals. He's like, that's the only thing I use pharmaceuticals for is parasites. Like, okay, that's interesting. But then as you go down, that knowledge base, you're like, okay, so they can bring, right, the uh, praziquantels, the ivermectins, the, you know, different medications, they can bring the levels down and make an impact. But as you research it, you realize they're not going to, they're not taking care of the full life cycle. So the question I always have is what's causing the parasites to grow and be out of control in a human body. And it's not just third world countries. This is, I mean, people... In first world countries, have tons of parasite issues, and that underlying thing that pushes parasite to be elevated is the environment. The more toxins that you have in your tissues and in your gut and in your body, the more that that is food or fuel for the parasites to replicate and be there. So again, it comes back to: can we have a cleaner inner train? Right. Everybody's so obsessed with this, the pollution in the world, which I have nothing against that, but they're completely missing the inner pollution in their body. You know, the inner pollution in their own hearts, you know, on a a spiritual side. And so as we focus on clearing that out, we'll clear the environment out from uh, how to clear out parasites. I've owned the Rife technology before, I've done the teas, actually taken some pharmaceuticals for parasites and hands down. And you might say I'm biased, which I mean, how can I not be with just some of the information I know? But I really think that Herbal combinations are the key that there's certain herbs that'll go after eggs, certain egg, um, herbs that'll go after full grown, you know, parasites. And so if you can have the right combination, then you can take care of the full life cycle because certain parasites like, um, Ascaris, it's a type of roundworm, Ascaris lumbricoides, the female can lay 150 to even sometimes 250,000 eggs per day. Like it's almost, it's it's absolutely disgusting to think about that we could almost have like a quarter million of eggs that one parasite can produce every day. So it's like you could kill some big parasites, but if they're laying eggs and then you wait a couple of weeks and those hatch, it's like, are we taking care of that? And so I, I really believe the herbs are the best option right now that I've seen for parasite cleansing.
2: Okay excellent and you know you mentioned the rockefellers and how they destroyed natural remedies and i'm just curious because you know neuropathic doctors have been kind of squashed in the last 3 or 4 years what about in uh, for the chiropractors are they trying to you know kind of censor you and keep you out of the limelight in the last few years
1: yeah i mean the censorship's been bad i think any any anybody that's not uh, basically regurgitated the mainstream narrative you know has been censored i actually stopped putting videos out on YouTube back in like 2019, just cause I already felt it. I knew I, I, I already could see the censorship. And then that was even before obviously 2020 and everything that, that transpired. So I think anybody that bucks, the narrative is has experienced censorship and, and chiropractic is an interesting profession. I'm not super connected with the schools now, but there was definitely the feeling that they wanted to be better at, di- at least in school, right? They wanted to be better at diagnosing. They could like out-diagnose medical doctors and fit into the med- mainstream medical system. And I just, I never, you know, gravitated toward that. I really feel like in order to make a big difference, we have to get to the root cause, you know? And when somebody takes a pharmaceutical and they take another one and they take another one, it's like, they're just more likely to take more pharmaceuticals. And it's like, when when are you, when can you ever stop? When can you ever, When's, when's the body ever heal? And it's like, well, we're just asking symptoms it's like that makes no sense to me so obviously they're there for crisis care right emergency crisis care like thank goodness save somebody's life in a car accident or some crazy trauma but it's like they can't teach you how to be well and healthy and this is where we have to take our own we have to take our own uh responsibility um you know and and step it up and increase our knowledge and, and take action and try things out because everybody's unique as well too
2: and with um the ticks, then for Lyme disease? Because, I mean, you were mentioned the eggs with the parasites. I remember reading, I don't know, I could be wrong, but it was, I think it was like 1500 that they can lay eggs, and that kind of disgusted me. But when I look at what they're doing now with mosquitoes and geoengineering, have they done the same? i just curious what your thoughts on had they done the same with the ticks? Because Lyme disease wasn't really that well known, you know, 50 years ago, or was it just not diagnosed? Is it something that could have been lab created?
1: Um, it's an interesting question, right? Because when you actually go into the whole germ theory, there's really not any strong evidence of that. Um, but there's books written, like a book written quite a while ago called Lab Two Five Seven, which was on basically, uh, you know, lab created or maybe modified is a better word. Um, ticks and, and Lyme disease. There's a newer book, probably in the last six years that was written, it's called Bitten by Chris Newby. Um, That's a pretty good book on just the history of them, you know, altering, altering the bug. But it, I just, it's, it's a, it's a disruptive topic because Lyme disease, the question is how many people have it? And if more people have it than have symptoms, is Lyme disease really the cause of somebody's health issues? Like, how can somebody have Lyme but not have health issues that another person have Lyme and have health issues? Is that really the breaking point of somebody's health challenge? And that's the question that I ask, because oftentimes when you find glyphosate, when you find Lyme disease in somebody, you find glyphosate. When you find glyphosate, you can find Lyme. So it's like, you know, how do you, how do you separate which one is actually the cause or what's really the cause? Because... And this is, this is quite an uncomfortable uh, thought to think about, but if I run a lab test, whether it's a standard blood panel or comprehensive metabolic panel, or I go to more an advanced lab company and I run testing, it's like, oh, here, look what I found. I found mycotoxins. I found a parasite. I found a chemical on this, you know, environmental toxin panel. Great. But the uncomfortable topic is, is how do you know that that is the actual reason why you're having health issues? right? You found something on the lab, but it doesn't, that lab can't exactly correlate to that's why you have health issues. Like you can clinically look at that, but you really don't know just by looking at a lab, which makes people very uncomfortable because we always want, we always want things of like, very like, here's what you do. If you find this, do this. If you find this, do this. But truly, I mean, a lot of us are, are, uh, guessing, you know, or we're, you know, if we don't have a a method to test, this is why I'm actually such a big fan of muscle testing or energetic testing is another tool in the toolbox besides labs, even challenge that on top, right? I think the more tools you have in the toolbox, the more you can understand and comprehend what's truly going on. But just doing one thing, you know, we always always want things that are cut and dry. And I, I just don't think Lyme disease is that way either. You know, and my wife nearly died twice from Lyme disease in her life. So I'm very, you know, emotionally attached to that. But I also... I also think it still comes back to the chemicals. I think it comes back to the toxins. Like when you look at in Wisconsin, where my wife grew up, there's a whole area. It's called the radium belt, R-A-D-I-U-M. Radium is a, a radioactive element. There's a whole belt of it. So if you're drinking water from the radium belt, you're getting high amounts of radium in your drinking water. Radium absolutely destroys your mitochondrial production and energy creation and mitochondria are also part of what's called the cell danger response that they're actually part of the immune system and the and the cell signaling and it's like somebody that has all kinds of bugs or infection or pathogens in their body is it really an infection problem or is it immune dysregulation that's caused by a toxin such as a radioactive element that's in our drinking water so i was just like asking questions and and i don't claim to know everything i'm always learning every day but the the better questions that we ask i think the better answers And the better success we're going to have in our own life and health.
2: I remember like there was a kind of um, an underlay that was built on a house in a radium area to stop it kind of seeping through. But the reality is when it's in the water, it's like if they can detect it, you shouldn't be building near them
1: regions. Well, that that's two different um it's similar but two so there's this thing called radon r-a-d-o-n that's in the air and it can actually dissolve into the water supply as well too but when you actually look at the radioactive uh, elements you have like thorium for instance which is an element that will eventually turn into radium radium will eventually turn into radon and so if you're in an area where yeah there's they do radon testing for houses and you know have to do the ventilation you can pretty much guarantee that there's probably high amounts of radium that's in the groundwater that's in that area as well. And if you're not drinking properly, you know, filtered water, you're probably drinking the radium too.
2: Jay totally enjoyed it. Passion to Hartmond.
3: Hi, Jay. My pleasure talking to you. Um, one question concerning the mitochondria. Um, do you see a possibility to how can I say, it? to detox it, it this way that the mitochondria can uh, again increase their energy and that way that they can restore the cells again?
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So the mitochondria, like when you look at the, the basic, uh, you know, anatomy of the body, at least from what we comprehend right now, if it, the the most recent research shows about 30 trillion cells, our human body is about 39 trillion bacterial cells. But inside the human cells, virtually all cells except for the red blood cell, which is quite a bit of cells actually in our body, but all of our cells besides the red blood cell have mitochondria inside of them. So if I look at like a, a liver cell, for instance, so a liv- our liver organs got all these cells, and this is obviously for, mainly for the listener, but it, you know, if we look at just one of those cells that's of the liver we'll have about 1,000 or 2,000 mitochondria per cell. So we actually have way more mitochondria than we have cells. We have way more mitochondria than we have bacteria in our body. And they're constantly basically morphing, changing, making more, disappearing. And the healthier you are, I believe the healthier mitochondria are. That's really where, not to plug our company, but our, our name for our supplement company, it's called CellCore. The reason that Dr. Todd Watts named that is because the core of the cell is the mitochondria. And that's really our whole focus is to remove the stressors, which oftentimes is chemicals and toxins from the mitochondria and from inside the cell in order to get it functioning better. And then also to support the mitochondria to not only make more ATP, but then also to basically make more factories, right? Reproduce where they make more mitochondria. So the more mitochondria you have, and the higher that they're functioning, the better off we are. Now, the interesting thing about the mitochondria, and I suggest this to everyone listening, is to do some research on the cell danger response with Dr. Bob Navio or Robert Navio. And he basically shows that um, in, in his research, that when we're just, life is normal inside the cell, everything's happening, the mitochondria make ATP and that's helping metabolism and that's helping our energy and awesome. As soon as a threat is detected, a cell danger response happens where that ATP actually leaves the cell. And he calls it eATP or extracellular ATP. So when it leaves the cell, now it's being used as a signaling molecule. And you can think about this. If somebody gets the cold or the flu, what usually happens with their energy, right? It just plummets. Because all that ATP that was inside the cell giving you energy now has left and has a different function. And so in order to help the mitochondria, I really believe that we have to uh, comprehend the cell danger response, because as soon as a cell danger response is initiated, there's actually three stages. And once you go to stage one, you, 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 are not going back. You have to heal through this circle. So you have to pass the checkpoint one to go to stage two, pass the checkpoint two to go to stage three, and then you're back to, you know, healthier healing. And there's also the, the, the uh chance of hormesis where that little stressor actually made you even healthier not just back to where you were and so the key when i look at mitochondria is first of all what's interfering with it what's signaling that cell danger response because most people that i've found that are not healthy or are 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 very challenged in the health side their energy's tanked fatigue right because they're stuck in this chronic cell danger response so we have to remove that trigger And if you actually look at Bob Navio's work, very, very amazing. Like the top disease killers, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, they're all when you're stuck in cell danger response too. So you can, you can see so many different disease conditions. And so healing through the cell danger response, absolutely important. I really believe toxins, like I mentioned earlier, are a big piece of that and detoxifying at the mitochondrial level. So having products that not only, can bind on to chemicals or toxins, but having products that have energy to get in the cell and energy to get back out. Because it's one thing if you take if you take a molecule in a petri dish and it's just like, oh, here's mercury. Oh, here's chlorella. Oh, look it bound to it. But it's like, does that happen though in the body? Right? Does chlorella get absorbed through the intestinal tract, get into the cell, bind it, and have enough energy and enough strength in that in that binding to hold on to that toxin. And enough energy to get back out of the cell. And that's where I think different questions uh, or different answers come up. And so I'm a huge fan of fulvic acid. I really believe that that's one of the best detoxifiers uh, out there. It's actually a true chelator because it covalently bonds. And it's got other ways that it can bond onto chemicals and toxins too. But I really am a big fan of it. And it's basically just uh, organic plant matter that's like thousands of years old, that's basically been compressed in. So it's super safe. They're, they actually have done studies where they consume like massive amounts of fulvic acid and there's no toxicity observed at all. So um, I think it's really safe. I think it's super effective. And there's certain scientists like Dr. Mir M-I-R, where he says that the fulvic acid molecule and humic acid, because fulvic's inside a humic, um, that they're so unique. They're like a snowflake that not two snowflakes are really ever alike that they can constantly have different abilities to modify and change its chemical configuration to bind on to different chemicals. And he says that there's a one with 26 zeros after it as far as like different configurations of fulvic acid. And the easiest way to explain is if if I was trapped in a room and I had, the door was locked, I had 10 keys on me. It's like, I hope one of those keys works. But if you're in the room with me, Hartman, and, and you have a one with 26 zeros after it key ring, right? Chances are you're probably gonna have the right key to get out. It might take you a little bit to you know shuffle through them, but that's essentially what fulvic is. Fulvic has this almost never ending ability to change and morph to its environment to bind on. And also it can not only transmutate minerals and uh, nutrients that aren't usable to the body into usable ones, but it can also bind onto those too. So I think fulvic acid is is a really uh, amazing natural compound that more people should get into their diet and and there's been great research actually in the mitochondrial world too for detoxification with it too
3: um one question i have because in in the today we are confronted a lot with a rapid increase of aging and this has also something to do with the um let's say with the poisoning around of our environment and all that stuff and uh, this uh, this increase of aging has something to do with the reproduction of the G- of the DNA by, um, by the telomere because the telomere they have the, um, the information. And if um, if uh, DNA is already damaged or is yeah, then the telomere will repuse will reproduce will reproduce the damaged DNA. Is there a possibility that we can um, increase the quality back again so that we can stop the aging system?
1: That's a great question, right? The telomere um, theory, right? Telomerase and the enzyme. I mean, there's been there's a product uh, called TA65 that's basically shown that it can either slow. I don't think it can regrow the shoelaces. So essentially, the telomeres. Are like the ends of the shoelace, you know. For and they coordinate the shorter the shoelace, the shorter the lifespan, and that's kind of where the telomere anti-aging theory comes in, at least from how I understand it. Um, I and one of the one of the ingredients that they've shown that seems to either slow it down or be helpful is astragalus. That's just a natural herb, but I think that's where the TA sixty five is extracted from or utilized. The I'm not associated with the company, but I just heard of and seen that research. But I I just question like, is that, is that all aging, right? I mean, there's so many aspects to it because they've actually shown in literature coming back to the mitochondria, for instance, that every decade that we basically lose about 10% of our mitochondrial capacity. So it's like, if we keep mitochondrial capacity higher or not decreasing as fast, does that help aging? And um, if, I, I don't know if you've, Uh, read or heard of Rupert Sheldrake and the morphogenetic, uh, you know, morphic fields and things like that. His, his research is so interesting because, you know, he basically uh, has shown that there's a field around us and that when a, you know, a bird is born and how do they know to fly and migrate at this time at this, you know, like he just says it's basically in the field, which makes a lot of sense to me, but in his research and one of the, or one of the things that he presented in, in his book, I forget the title of it, but he said that they were they still have no idea where memories actually stored that they you know have mice and they have rats and they do tasks and they can see the brain areas light up and then they go and do that task again they can see that area light up they remove that part and then the the mouse and rat whatever can still do it and they're like we still have no idea where memories are actually stored at and i i come back to that just not saying this is the anti-aging thought but i just come back to do we really know everything about aging? You know, because I hear the telomere, you know, theory a lot, and I it makes sense. But is there other th- aspects to it? Um, it's just just um, my kind of questioning nature, you know.
3: It's so interesting because I also in alternative medicine, and um, eh, I came, um, I came, yeah, close to the subject where people understood the magnetic tornadoes on the nano, in the nano world. And um, they can, for example, this in Germany, they are now doing research for establishing um, computers, which by by which they change the magnetic tornadoes of uh, crystals. And store information in these crystals. And there is a possibility that, for example, if you take um, if you take this technology and increase the magnetic tornadoes in um, food, you can increase also the energy in the body. And for me, uh, it makes so, so much sense because we are an electromagnetic field. Yeah, and if we are bombarded the whole time with toxic, uh, with a toxic environment, the energy will go down. And we can and with this kind of technology which is used at the moment for computer and which may be used one time for the human beings. We have the possibility to inform our body and to increase our health by the increasing of the energy of the electric magnetic tornadoes, just so for information.
1: Yeah. It it just makes me so excited for us. Continue to learn more about the body. I saw in, in literature, um, you know they're finding that there's basically cells that that have magnetism in their brain and things like that so they're questioning can we sense magnetism or not which I I really believe we can they've shown it in animals but it's obviously being disputed quite heavily right now with humans but when you look at the Earth Earth has naturally its human resonance it's its own magnetic field and when you see when you see spikes in it you see people change their, their personalities, they see more stress, like they see more stress. There's more, you know, they've actually shown more uh, hospital visits and things like that. So to, to think that we can't sense magnetics, I think kind of seems silly, but yet, yeah, that's definitely a, a very heated thing. And I know PEMP therapy, pulse electromagnetic field therapy really relies on, you know, basically inputting in with the magnetics and you see, you can see some pretty amazing things on live blood cell microscopy of seeing like the, almost like the, um, The electric field around our cell just charge up, you know. When you when you do those type of things, so I'm a I'm a huge fan of that stuff. I I just always ask the question, what's the source, right? Maybe maybe that's not going to get to the source, but it's a good way to like, you know, give somebody a natural boost to move move forward. But I just always want to get to the core, you know, what's the really underlying core. I think a lot of emotional and spiritual, uh, mental traumas hold us back, you know, and being able to release and work through those is a big piece, along with like the toxins I mentioned before.
3: Yes, uh, I agree with you 100% because for example, with pulse electric magnetic field systems, you can increase the, uh, the transport of ions to the cell. And uh, when these ions re- uh, reach the cells, they, um, they establish they increase the voltages then uh, the voltages or the it's positive ions. They increase the voltages around the cell, and the mitochondria has to increase um, the its voltage also in order to make a balance. And then the receptors open, and the bad toxins go out of the cell, and the good nutrition goes in the cell. Yeah, so we can, there is, uh, so with the with the magnetic field system, so if we start to to look uh, the human being from, from the magnetic point of view, I think this will be a very huge difference in the future.
1: Yeah. I agree, um, I agree. Uh,
3: and what do you think, do you know um, the, uh, um, for toxification, do you think it's enough, for example, to change the um, uh, the habit of of eating? Is do you let's say it this way? Do you think that, for example, it's good that people got become vegetarian uh, for a couple of days, or do you think they shall um, uh, reduce meat or anything like that? Do you have any um, recommendation how the people can um, eat in order to increase the health.
4: Yeah.
1: I mean, the food you put in your body is very impactful. I, I think the, the, uh, you know, almost foundation of our health is based on what we put in our body, water wise, food wise, the sleep that we get, you know, the quality, I mean, all those lifestyle things are very impactful. I think everybody's body's unique. Um, I do feel like we've been misled and lied to a lot in the diet side of things and what's supposed to make people healthy. Um, It seems as if, especially with what's happened in the last few years, you know, and you you pay attention to the Klaus Schwab's of the world and the World Economic Forum and kind of like where they're trying to push people. They basically say, well, you know, let's eat less meat and ideally no meat. If we're going to eat meat, let's have lab grown meat. And if you're going to eat meat, God forbid, it's red meat. And so, of course, my mind being very disruptive, I'm thinking, well, is that really the only thing we should eat then? You know, it's, it's if if it's everything that they want us to stay away from, then it's probably the exact opposite. So, um, I'm always I'm always just open to challenging challenging things. I mean, I I uh, there's some uh, doctors and practitioners out there that have touted diets for quite a few years, and you know, some of them just don't not not to Judge people by how they look, but I also want to look at if you're living the lifestyle that you're teaching, which I would hope you are, um, you know, how is that working out for you? And if, you know, somebody's becoming kind of frail and not having great hormones and they look like they're aging very rapidly, then I don't know if that's quite the diet that I want to follow. So I, I do, I do like to look at people and what, what they're like, what's their energy levels, what's their, you know, how are they, how are they doing themselves? And so, um, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd rather stay away from a specific diet, but I, I do just like asking the question of, you know, if if a certain uh, plant, for instance, is quote unquote a superfood, it's like how many, how many anti-nutrients or how many natural pesticides or plant defense chemicals that superfood produces are in that superfood? And I say superfood with quotes because somebody just named it a superfood, right? Somebody just creates that definition. And that doesn't mean that it's always accurate. But how many anti-nutrients or plant defense chemicals are in a food versus how many nutrients are in it? And is there, are you getting the benefit of all the nutrients if there's natural plant defense chemicals that are in there? So for instance, there was research they did in the 90s, like on cabbage, and they found there's all kinds of natural, they call them natural pesticides in the cabbage, basically to protect itself right because a vegetable can't just get up and run away so they have to produce their own plant defense chemicals and i look at how many different autoimmune conditions are going on today and how many people have been pushing kind of the veggie the veggie superfood train for so long but yet they don't they don't seem healthy to me and so i question i i think herbs and i think plants have amazing properties but i think we need to re re be open to looking at diet as not only how many nutrients are in a food, but how many nutrients are we actually going to absorb because of what else is in that food?
3: Yeah, and uh, this uh, the nutrition of the of the fruits, for example, it has de- decreased rapidly uh, in the last 50, 50 or sixty years. Yeah, if I, I let's say it this way, if I ate an apple fifty years ago, uh, it had it contains nutrition of let's say I don't know five six apples today. Or 10 apples a day. And this is, um, it it has because of all the um, toxins around us. And and what we are also facing in this uh, society at the moment is a very uh, increasing um, reduction of the quantity of the male sperm. And is there a possibility? to reactivate this for the young, for the young people? Because um, is is this also connected to the poisoning? And are there also remedies in order to get this done?
1: I, I think it's all connected. I really do. I think our diet, our our exposure, um, and it's almost as if, right, if mom has a bunch of toxins in them, and then she has a child, it's like, what's to say that those aren't getting passed on? And like every generation, we almost, we, we fill up, you know, we end up with more and more toxins because of you know we we get them from the past generation. So I really believe the focus and and I know some some people are like, you don't need to detoxify. That's why you have kidneys. That's why you have a liver. And it's like, but, you know, yeah, that's that's our natural detoxification organs. I mean, our bowels as well, too, and different different things in our body. but i I, I feel personally right now where our bodies are overburdened with all the man-made synthetic chemicals that exist that we need to give it assistance. Um, And once we get it up over that hump, right, once we can bring the burden down, then yeah, that's, I I don't believe you should be stuck on supplements for the rest of your life and you have to take, you know, 30 bottles. I I almost laugh at that because I'm like, you're obviously not getting to the root cause, right? If you stop a supplement and don't feel good, it's like, great, take that. But when can you ever stop it? Well, I, I don't know if I can. It's like, well, then you're probably not getting to the core issue of what's really going on with your health, you know? And then what, what? how much better are we than the, than the standard medical profession where it's like, take a drug for a symptom. Now you're just taking a, taking a supplement for a symptom. It's like, yeah, maybe it's more natural, but that still doesn't seem like the way, you know, in my own mind, I would just always get to the core because you get to the core, then all these secondary tertiary issues that are going on in the body disappear as well too. So it's like, if you can find that, you know, those main things and get to it, then that's when life changes. So,
3: so, so, if, for example, um, someone has problems with the kidney or with the liver, um, do you have specific remedies or do you have specific nutritions in order to increase the health of the of the liver or the of the uh, kidney?
1: Yeah, one, one of my, well, so when kidneys are stressed, it can be just from an upstream issue of the liver, right? So when the liver is problematic, it can actually cause downstream problems of the kidneys. Um, obviously there could just be kidney challenges as well too. So, but the liver seems to be, when I look at chronic illness, the liver seems to be a big focus, uh, uh, where there's a lot of unhealthy things going on there. So the more that you can get that organ functioning again, cause it does so many different chemical processes. It's so important in hormones. It's so important in digestion. I mean, it's so important in detoxification. Like it does so much, uh, to the body. One of my favorites is Tudka. It's T U D C A it's, it's an acronym. It stands for Tororso deoxycholic acid. So it's a super long name, which is why everybody just says TUDCA. But I actually, uh, I was actually the guy that brought it to the functional medicine space. Cause I was doing, I had, I had this random thought one day of, you know, look at these weightlifters and they're taking these steroids and things and how bad anabolic steroids are to liver. It's like, what are they trying to, what are they doing to protect them their liver so they don't die early? And that was just that random thought. And I, I looked in looked into some weightlifting blogs and things like that. And I saw milk thistle. I saw NAC or N-acetylcysteine, which I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And then I saw this other thing called Tudka. And I'm like, what's this Tudka? And I started going down the rabbit hole of research. And you, you would not believe the amount of research that is on PubMed. I mean, it basically uh, comes from old Chinese medicine, like two 3,000 years ago. Like they've been using it for a long time. The nice thing, it back then they extracted it from bear bull bile which is always interesting because you're going to be getting the DNA and you're going to be getting some other components generally when you're extracting it from animal into a capsule form. Nowadays, we can literally just print, basically just print the compound so it doesn't have any of the, doesn't come from animals, you know, and it doesn't have the DNA and RNA fragments and things like that or other toxins with it. But the Tudka I've seen probably, it's it's one of my favorite supplements for changing. I mean, it'll increase bio production it'll increase the flow of it it'll increase the quality of it it it's pretty much been shown to be helpful in almost all major diseases um you can literally just type tudca and diabetes tudca and you know alzheimers and th- there's research on it so i'm a huge fan of that um and it's really it it the reason it will you'll find in the literature it's been so helpful with so many different diseases is because it protects the smooth endoplasmic reticulum of the cell, which is pretty much in all the cells. So it's it's not just a liver formula, even though it's it's a it's a it's a secondary bile acid that's water soluble, which is why it get I brought it up as the liver side because it's so beneficial for the liver and it's very anti-inflammatory and it's super beneficial. But it also helps the rest of the body. Like if somebody were to have a stroke or a heart attack, if you take Tudka. Right afterward, your damage is like 50% less. Like it immediately starts healing, you know. Or if you take Tudka ahead of time, you're less likely to even have the event in the first place, too. Wow,
3: oh, brilliant. Thank you so much. It was a real pleasure. I pass it to John. It was a real pleasure. Thank you, Here. Thank you. Wow,
4: well, I have to say, chiropractors and naturopaths are my two favorite doctors. I have uh I've had chiropractors and naturopaths on my on my show before and uh, I always have amazing conversations with them so Dr. Davidson it's it's a it's a it's great to speak to another chiropractor I am not a chiropractor um, but you said something at the beginning and um, I want to touch up on it because I, I do this a lot with my clients I'm a personal trainer by trade I said that earlier with uh, IT complex uh, I do a lot of muscle testing and I find muscle testing for my clients to be pro- probably the most beneficial way to be able to do uh, any form of assessment before I give them a workout program. You said at the beginning that one of your professors in uh chiropractor school said muscle testing is garbage. Yep. How do you like shift from that? Because I've seen ton of benefit from being able to do muscle tests, not just as an assessment for physical anomalies, but also for food, thought processes, uh, stressors in life, I find it hugely effective for people.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, I I do too. Um, So in in kiropractic school, he basically did a demonstration and just poo pooed it and immediately that was like imprinted in my brain, right? And so as I went through school, I just didn't even have any interest because of that one individual, basically like, you know, here's how it is. This is garbage. And so I stayed away from it. And then as I started hosting summits, uh, like Grace mentioned, the chronic Lyme disease summit, other summits, I started realizing there's certain people that were super famous online, right? Health-wise and stuff like that. And realizing that some of them weren't that bright or didn't have that great of knowledge. And then other people that you didn't even know about, and they were super smart and you know uh, amazing so being being able to host an interview and talk to guests and obviously when you're host you can ask whatever question you want because you're the host so it gave me the opportunity to get to know people better knowledge base wise and what I what I realized is the people that had the ability to muscle test or had the ability to do energetic testing it seemed like they knew more than the typical practitioner and so that kind of stuck in my brain so I was like huh they seem like they're They know more. They, you know, like they have an edge up. They get better results. And then as time went on, it just I just kept seeing that. And then when my wife crashed, and she, you know, told me, like I mentioned, that it's Jay. It's just it's this weird energy stuff that seems to work the best. Finally, you know, it like penetrated my skull enough to realize, like, oh, I should learn this. And so I started to. But being very analytical, and I would say analytical because of my father. Uh, always questioning things, right? I switched over the analytical. But as I kind of broke free of always having to have that analyticalness and going a little bit more into that, you know intuitive mind, which I feel like gets dismissed too much nowadays in our society, right? It's always the intellectual brain wins over the in, intuitive brain, but it's like, why can't we have both of those? as I, I kind of opened up the uh, intuitive brain and realized, wow, it's such a powerful tool. So just through my own experience, uh, in my own witnessing of things, I I it'll be a tool at least that I see that I'll always utilize. Um and it's hard, it's hard to imagine that
4: I didn't have that tool before because before it was just you're you're essentially guessing. Yeah. Well, I mean the ancient Egyptians were using muscle testing and reflexology. And um I mean it's been around since since then. So it's it's kind of hard to, you know, call something that's so old. Uh, you know, garbage. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's also just how we've been influenced, right?
1: I mean, yeah. it just Rockefeller and and kind of taking over the medicine world, uh, and and the, the medical schooling really is what they took over. They all obviously own the energy industry as well too. I mean, it's it's really shaped our world. So just just I just uh, thank the listener for listening right now to be open to you know getting an hour into this. That that's the key. It's just you don't have to accept anything I say or any, you know, other hosts like yourself um, say, but just be open to maybe you don't know everything, right? Just that thought process that, and, and maybe there's one nugget that's going to be very impactful for you that's going to help shape
4: your next step in life. Yeah, 100%. Um, kind of switching gears for the, you 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 were also talking about Poisons, external poisons with food, with water, with stuff like that. Um, I've been in this rabbit hole since 2009. So I've been in this kind of like black sheep kind of person inside the fitness industry for well over 10 years. And I'm, I'm comfortable with it. One movie that actually shaped me was Food, Inc. And you said something about the Rockefellers. The Rockefellers are one of the big sponsors when it comes to uh, Monsanto, the company Monsanto. Uh, I'm probably going to get knocked off of Facebook for this again, but I don't care. (laughs) Um, What are your thoughts on using food as a weapon to not just only control people, but also to, um, I guess, control people? I guess that's that, that's the only word I can use.
1: Well, I think it's definitely a possibility. I mean, if I if I was to be like, hmm, I'm going to be the most evil person on the world, what would I want to control? I'd want to control the money supply. I'd want to control the food supply. I'd want to control the education that people were given. Right? I mean, at like the the school system. Uh, I I I mean, you'd want to control that, and it seems as if there is a hierarchy where people do do control that. I I think the modern day school system is an indoctrination, you know, it's teaching people to memorize rather than actually think. And I think that's on, I personally believe that that's on purpose. So to think that they're, you know, poisoning the food supply on purpose, like it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I have no idea who the main group or player is. Right. Um, And and their real intention behind it, you know, I can obviously speculate, but to know, yeah, to know, I mean, how detrimental Roundup is, which, you know, was made by Monsanto, now owned by Bayer, like how detrimental that is to the human body is just, it's unbelievable. And the fact that that's just one chemical, I mean, atrazine is another one that basically has changed, you know, girl frogs into boy frogs and boy frogs and girl frogs. Like it literally changes, it almost like changes biology just from a, a pesticide poison. That's another one. I mean, there's there's so many chemicals that are... Basically being sprayed on the food. I actually found I found a government uh, announcement in the newsletter of Spain in April. It was April seventeenth of twenty twenty that they were basically announcing that they are putting biocides, which is another name for pesticide or herbicide, into the into the stratospheric aerosol injections that they do because of you know COVID or whatever. And I was like, wow, so not only are they spraying pesticides on our grass to make our grass super pretty, and they're you know, spraying it on our food, but they're also spraying it like 50,000 feet in the air. And it's like, no wonder there can be a, a flu season in, in a city at once, right? Like just they're spraying us like bugs. So um, it's it's the more you go down the rabbit hole, like you mentioned, uh, you can get a little dis- disheartened which is why I want to bring the optimism back of like first awareness. And then it's like, okay, be the change you wish to see. If you don't like the way the world is, let's change it. You know? So how are we going to do that? So awareness is first. And then the next step is, is action.
4: Well, if we're going to continue down that rabbit hole, I mean, if you, if you even think about about that, I mean, if they're spraying that into the, into the, into the atmosphere, that's coming back down to the earth. So it's coming back down into our food supply and our water whether you're a vegan vegetarian or a carnivore eater you're still eating all that stuff so uh, that's that's pretty well, and really, scary
1: really breathing it in i mean when you look at the modern day medical symptoms and grace can probably tell you too it's it's coughing it's breathing it's sinus congestion it's loss of taste it's like what what's that from probably something that's in the atmosphere that we're breathing in that's my, that's my, sus,
4: you know, my latest suspicion. So, yeah. Um, Do you have any exposure to Dr. Francis M. Pottinger? Yeah, uh, I do remember. Yeah. Weston A. Price and the Pottinger. Yep. And back the pot- in the day. Pottinger kittens. Do you start, are you starting to see a little bit of uh, what's going on with the Pottinger kittens experiment to what we're looking at right now? Um. Remind me of the Pottinger kitten experiment, because I remember researching that a long time ago, but yeah, the Pottinger kittens, basically uh, Dr. Pottinger took 50, 50, 75 cats, 25, 25, 25, 25 on raw, 25 on mixed raw and cooked and 25 kittens on just cooked. And um, within three generations of kittens, the kittens with the, uh, the cooked, the cooked stuff and pasteurized stuff food uh they were bo- they were being born uh, without hair uh blind the amount of uh uh kittens that were born being born dead was increasing drastically they were born being born with cancers uh all these degenerative diseases that we're seeing do you are you starting to see that in today's society too well like um, was mentioned earlier I
1: mean fertility has gone way down right every decade so I think we're in the middle of um, a, a scary time where you know we might lose reproduction ability which is is kind of scary so yeah I, I do think there's a lot of stressors going on right now physical, mental emotional chemical um I, one of the one of the food things that I really like to stay away from is, oftentimes it's called seed oils, but it's basically industrial engine lubricant that we have now in our food supply, the corn oil, the sunflower oil, the soybean oil, the corn oil. I mean, the amount of that food getting into our system and then it not only oxidizes in the body, but in my own testing and research, which I haven't seen other people mention, um, but if somebody's listening and already seen this, reach out to me is that it's already oxidized even before it goes into the body. So not only will it oxidize in the body, but it's actually oxidized on the front end. And it's like when you're consuming those foods, it is very negatively impactful to the human body. So um, yeah, I I really believe our food supply makes a a massive impact. And I I just, I don't know if I'm just skeptical of those that have uh, you know, power and controlled media and tell us, Whatever they're saying to do, I just feel like do the
4: opposite and we're probably at a good, we're probably going to be at a good place. Now, without making this too um, negative and too down for people, well, <laughs> other than doing the opposite of what everybody's, what we're heating on the media, is there any other steps that you could tell somebody to take um, to, uh, to oh. better the foods, the, your, your food, your air quality, your water Stuff. Is there anything that you could share?
1: Yeah. I mean, I have a lot, I have lots of opinions. And again, they're always subject to change just as we continue to learn. As far as water, I think distilled water is the best. It's the only filtration where it actually causes a phase shift of the water. Everything else, I mean, it basically goes through filtration. And those filters, I mean, personally, I don't think they get 100% of the stuff. But then if you have a certain toxin or multiple toxins in your water supply, It's like that filter is going to not filter that chemical eventually. And how do you know when it's not filtering it? Where if it's a water distillation, it's getting everything except for the VOCs, the volatile organic compounds, and then it just drips through a carbon. So you change that out, depending on the type of filter, um, you're going to, you know, you're not going to be consuming any radioactive elements. You're not going to be consuming any glyphosate because the boiling points on those things are way, way higher. So you're not, you know, liquefying those in. So I'm a big fan of, water distillation, as far as getting all the chemicals out of the water. And then if you want to remineralize it, if you want to energize it, or what people always say structure, which I think is a little um, misleading of a term. But if you want to, you know, do something in the water after, awesome. But let's start by making sure there's no chemicals in the water. I think the water we're drinking is poison from the get-go. Um, that's I actually think that's more important than switching the diet. And then for food, just less ingredients, the better. If there's things you can't read, don't eat it. If it's processed, don't eat it. Fresh food is always better. Um, I personally, for my own dietary, I I, I think meat and fruit are awesome. Um, that's where I'm at right now in my own diet. But I've also, you know, I've done the Vitamix and the, the juicing vegetables, like superfoods and all that. And just, you know, for me, it just didn't seem to be um, that healthy. And then just being able to optimize sleep. That's super important. Pick a bedtime earlier. I think the better, uh, optimize the bedroom, you know, light and make sure temperature sound, whatever works for you. Optimize that. Make sure to get some sunshine on your eyes, especially first thing in the morning. I think that's actually super impactful. Get your feet on the earth and then work through the baggage. And the baggage is the stuff that we've accumulated over the years, mentally, emotionally, spiritually work on that baggage. To release it because it's not benefiting you the bigger your baggage gets. So um detox, the lifestyle things I mentioned, and then just from a mental, emotional, spiritual, just start peeling the layers off. And I really believe that you can like transcend your health, like you can change yourself. I mean, I'm about to turn 40 in uh I guess 20 days now, as I look at the date um that we're recording this, and I the healthiest I've ever been today. So I, I think the number that we are as far as age gets gets um, placed some manipulation into us, but I think the body can heal. And obviously there might be some limitations if you had organs removed and different things, but it doesn't mean that the body can't get better. I think our bodies are really designed to be well. It's just, we have to identify what's interfering with it and and remove that interference, then the body can function as it needs to, which is really, it wants optimal health. Mm
4: -hmm. This also plays a a big role in, um, in supplements. I've been in the, in in and out of the gyms for 30 years now. And I get the question, what supplements do I take all the time? I get that all the time. And the, 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 quality of the supplements also plays a huge, huge factor in uh, recovery processes, uh, detoxification, uh, proper nutrition. Um, how would you help somebody to answer that question?
1: Yeah, well, it's the same, same with food, right? The quality of your water, the quality of your food, the quality of your supplements. I mean, usually the cheaper it is probably the lower the quality it is. I mean, and it's not that you just want to go buy the most expensive stuff out there, but I mean, if, if they're producing a product that's really cheap, chances are, they can do that because the underlying ingredient is, you know, really cheap. So knowing where your products come from, obviously, I mean, I, I take my own company's stuff, Selcor, cause I know, I know that, but I also, I take some other companies things and I tend to lean toward more the health practitioner type brands. Those seem, at least in my own research to be of the highest quality, you know, and looking for as least amount of added ingredients into the stuff as possible, You know, sometimes they have to put some stuff in just to get it into a capsule and things like that. But, you know, those are questions like if you learn muscle testing, if you learn energetic testing that you can ask the question, right? Because really the, not rather than asking, do I need this product? Asking with what's going on in my health with what I'm taking, is this product impactful, like positively impactful for me? You're going to get a different answer than just do I need this or not? Really the quality of question that you could bring will determine the quality, you know, um response that you get which will obviously dictate, you know, your health. And then also an important thing too is to get out of your head. So they've they've shown that there's actually in our heart there's 40,000 sensory neurites, which is basically another way to say there's like brain cells in our heart, which doesn't surprise people when when you think about the old traditional sayings, listen to your heart, do what your heart says, right? You're know, like why would people say that? Because our heart is a brain too. So in in the you know, alternative functional medicine world, we know the gut is a brain, the enteric nervous system. And then we have our brain brain, the central nervous system, but we also have our own, um, you know, brain cells essentially in our heart too. So I, I, at least in my own, you know, spiritual journey, I think that being able to go from the intellectual brain to the heart brain to the gut brain and being able to have coherence between the three is really important. And especially from a muscle testing standpoint, um, being able to drop, the I don't know if I would say the consciousness, but kind of the uh the thinking intention, dropping that into the heart space, I find to be the most accurate. When you're up in your head, you're always doubting, am I doing this right? Right. That's where that anxiety, agitation always lives. If you look at the, and this is again just my opinion, but if you look at, you know, the the Buddhist monk that's been meditating for 30 years and is at peace, they've trained themselves to get down into the heart space. So if we can get down into that heart space, that's where peace love joy can be but of course there can also be things that we store in our heart some baggage and things that can make us uncomfortable and not want us to be there
4: so you said something there and i want to touch up on it the gut brain because the gut really does have a brain and it communicates with uh your brain brain um do you think that if you can clean out the gut thoughts might be get might become better the heart the better connection with a heart and better communication between all the three? Yeah, absolutely. The The
1: brain impacts the gut. The gut impacts the brain. I think the heart impacts the gut. The heart impacts the brain. I, I, it's all part of it. That's why I, when okay. most people tend to want to know what's the one thing I can do, but really it's like what's the multiple things that you need to do that you stack together that's going to get you the result? And, and obviously cleaning the gut up is really important to have healthy brain health. But also, you know, having healthy brain health, you know, supporting the brain is needed as well, too. But obviously, what you what you intake in your
4: gut has a big impact in the brain. I mean, there's been so much research in that category. Well, I'm 46. And uh, I, I'll, I'll tell you right now, the one thing that has actually kind of really changed my life last, I'd say two last week has been um, getting introduced to mushrooms and the power of mushrooms. Um, I'm not talking about the ones that make you see like leprechauns running across the street. I'm talking, I was going to say the
1: psychedelics, (laughs) or are we talking herbal, like lion's mane and
4: cordyceps and yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like lion's manes and cordyceps, not the ones that make you, uh, think that you're, uh, you're being chased by the boogeyman. (laughs) What are some mushrooms that can uh, you can, uh, you can actually, um, help clean out the gut to help clear out the mind. Um, so we have a newer formula that we've been working on uh, for a while.
1: That's about to come out this summer that I think is going to be really impactful. And it's really focusing on the, um, like the junction of the extracellular matrix to the gut uh, or extracellular matrix, like the connective tissue and the lymph ends. And one of the things that we've seen in our own studies with this is its impact in the gut that where, so if you, if you look in the gut, um, you basically have all these villi and then, and it creates more surface area, So you can basically absorb nutrients through the villi. When people go from a shag carpet into a short rug, right? Then their health usually declines because they don't have as much surface absorbing area. But one of the things, at least in our, in our research that we found is when you look at the microvilli, these little projections inside of it, there's this little thing that sticks up called a lacteal and it's part of the lymph system. That's actually how we absorb fats is through the lymphatic system that's in the gut. And one of the things that we found, it's actually the junction between the end of that lacteal, that lymph that's inside the, that's inside these microvilli, the junction of the, of the lymph to the gut, which is really impactful in having people have digestive problems, candida, definitely being like that bloaty, puffy, you know, just swollen. And so we found there's a combination of herbs that seem to impact that and one of the ingredients that was really good was turkey tail, which is a, which is a mushroom, but there's actually a combination of, you know, different, I guess, would you call them herbal med meti- herbal mushrooms? Cause I feel like when you say medicinal mushrooms, that's more of that psychoactive, uh, category, but, um, yeah, I, I guess turkey tail at least was a really impactful one and we've mixed it with some other ones, but, um, have found, yeah, there's definitely some benefits, you know, cordyceps, they say is really good for hormones and lion's mane for kind of you know calming the brain and different things so i'm always open to continue learning i love my
4: mushrooms haven't tried the ones that make you see leprechauns yet not yet (laughs) go to ireland you'll see the leprechauns
2: (laughs) uh
4: just one more question um Uh, before i hand you back to grace uh you said something about bodybuilders now uh, as uh when i was younger i was really interested in bodybuilders and and their entire life and how they would work out and what what they would do before the shows and how what kind of workouts they would take uh what they would do i knew what they would take um and i was under always under the Mis- I want to take a misconception under the under the impression that you know it's the steroids, the anabolic steroids that actually kill the bodybuilder. No, I was talking to another uh, quote, I'll call him a trainer, but he was uh, he specialized in bodybuilding. And what he said he goes, yeah, the anabolic steroids do play a role. he goes, but it's more on the diuretics that they take before the show to get rid of the excess water to show that muscle that actually does the damage. Um, I know the bodybuilders do take diuretics, but there are a lot of other people that take diuretics. And that's it, very damaging to the, to the person, especially to the kidneys and the liver and the bile production through the gallbladder and all that stuff. Um, what are some tips and tricks that you can tell people who are on diuretics to help them uh, produce more water in their system?
1: Yeah, this is an interesting topic because they've actually shown in the last decade or so that our skin actually holds on to sodium. So it's not just the sodium in the cell that is, you know, the sodium potassium ratio and things like that, that our interstitium, our our extracellular matrix, our skin can hold on, hold on to this too and be impactful. So um, it's an interesting question because it's like, how, how far down do we go here? Because you, you have the water you intake, right, that you drink. And I personally drink distilled water because, you know, least amount of toxins. But you actually have this water generation system in your body where you actually produce water. And I think that's what needs to be more keyed in on is how do we support that? And a lot of that comes from the mitochondria, which we talked about earlier, is in that last stage, we actually make uh, pure water that's inside the cells. So I actually think a lot of the water we drink it's kind of more for flushing and things like that. But the actual water that's used in the cell, our bodies actually make. So as long as we have optimal mitochondria, we can have optimal water that's inside the cell um, that's used and functions. As far as the diuretic side of it, if somebody has water retention, I I, I lean to um, toxicity being the biggest issue. So there's a saying, the solution to pollution is dilution the solution to pollution is dilution and so if i'm exposed to a poison my body's going to want to you know the solution is to dilute it how it dilutes it is by holding water retention so i really think detoxification is a solution to minimizing you know the amount of fluid that build up that we have as far as weightlifting and show ready i think that's a different scenario you know um but but for the average person on a diuretic, again, the question comes back to what, what's your goal, right? Oh, I have high blood pressure. Well, then the question is, why do you have high blood pressure? And then if you get to that, then you ask, well, why do I have that, right? If you just continue to ask that question, you realize that really what you're taking is just trying to manage a symptom, but it's not actually getting to the cause. That's actually one of our, that's one of the goals of the new product that we're releasing too, is is the excess buildup of fluid. Because what I, what we noticed over the years is people will be like, oh, I'm getting so fat, you know, and it's like, it, I actually don't think that's fat. I think that's actually fluid. And the more that you can create the movement and flush the fluid out, which is essentially what a diuretic is doing, but I just don't think in the right manner, um, you know, because you also need electrolytes in your body. And when you deplete long-term I I don't think that's good for the body either so I think it's a, a different mechanism which is what we're going after so it's it's been exciting what we've seen thus far but I mean that's always that's always what gets me up in the morning and going and researching is you know continuing to put the pieces together so I don't think I have a great answer for you as much as just continue to ask the question why oh that's great uh
4: back to you grace
0: this conversation is awesome. I'm really loving it. And thank you, Jay. You gave us a lot of information and empowerment for the audience as well. And while you were all talking, there are a few things that remind reminded me when you when you talk about that what, what's in the air. And with my flight to the Philippines, one of the airlines, before we got off, they had to spray the entire plane. And I says, oh dear God. So that, but I was already there. So I was like, but I just put it in myself again to own it. And that's when I go out, I'll just do my six pointed, 12 pointed breathing. And anyway, the things that could help me. So that's one. And uh, when you talked about the salt, uh, the skin, one way that I check my salt, if I have enough salt is when I'm in the sauna or when I'm under the sun, I lick it. <laughs> I taste my skin and if it's salty that means I have enough salt for now. So there's just many little things that we can do to assess ourselves and you know when you when now that you are in Florida perhaps next time and I I I'm inviting you again to join us in the future where you could see and tell me how your sleep is in florida as compared to your sleep pattern in um, in puerto rico <laughs> just that's your kind of like your homework and i say that because i notice when i am in the philippines for some reason i sleep very well but we don't have but we have a lot of pollution too so but i sleep really good and i come back here i sleep good but not as good as when i'm in the philippines so Okay. So please come back. And is there anything more last words and important things that you have to invite our audience now and in the future?
1: Well, I'll, I'll take that homework. There's definitely uh, you know, magic to Puerto Rico Island. I lived there almost five years actually. So, but um, just keep moving forward. You know, the, the oftentimes what we think is our kryptonite ends up being our superpower, right? Like when my wife nearly died after my daughter was born, I, I thought was just a mess became my message. So in um, the same way an oyster, you know, makes a pearl, it's because it's irritated. So it it's how you interpret what's going on in your life to whether you let that motivate you to inspire and move forward, or you let it tear you down. It's really all between your ears on on your decision.
0: And where can they contact you or connect with you or any important link and website that you want to share?
1: Uh, Yeah, if you're a practitioner, I'd recommend just reach out to cellcore.com. You can get an account for free and we have a whole education, uh, you know, behind the scenes that that I'd recommend. Um, I guess my regular website is drjdavidson.com, D-R-J-A-Y and then davidson.com. So those are probably the two best, best spots.
0: Well, thank you again, and to all of you there, we thank you, Roy, John, Hartmut, and me, Grace of Quantum Nurse, we thank you so much, and we'll put it up in BitChute, Rumble, ClickView, Brighton, Listen Notes, and all the other platforms, okay? And whatever you do, take care of yourselves, and be well, as Jay said, there's just so many hope for us to do what we need to do, and start with your mindset, take care.